gotta tell you, stranger things have happened than for a backup quarterback to come along and really, really get things going. Especially when that backup quarterback has some experience and some pedigree. Don't laugh this off. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Mitch Trubisky has one annoying trait above all others, and that is his ability, and I do mean ability, to tantalize. If you go back to when he was drafted, number two overall, look, it's easy in hindsight to say, hey, you shouldn't have taken that guy, should have taken that guy. But if you go back to that year, everyone was wowing over his potential, his natural arm talent, run talent, size, smarts, everything. He had everything going on. He was going to be Chicago's franchise quarterback. That said... The franchise that plays in Chicago is still the Bears, and the Bears eat quarterbacks. It's what they do. They've been doing it ever since Jim McMahon, and it's not about to change anytime soon, as poor Justin Fields will tell you. But Mitch, you know, Mitch had those games for the Bears where he'd run up 300, 400 yards and you wouldn't even think about it because it looked so normal. It looked so natural. Yeah. Yeah. He throws a lot of picks. Okay. He takes a lot of unnecessary risks. He believes rightly or wrongly that his arm talent can outmaneuver any challenge that's in front of him. That's how and why you have Mitch throwing into triple coverage for Allen Robinson and one of the worst picks you'll ever see. I'm not naive to that. I haven't forgotten how I was calling for Kenny Pickett to come and take Mitch's place when Mitch really struggled in the middle of last season. I'm not taking any of that back. I'm looking at the current circumstance and trying to see that it's not it's not the end of the world. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, to the plain chagrin of an awful lot of listeners, I might add, the loss of Kenny to this offense is not what the loss of a quarterback, a starting quarterback, would be to most offenses. Kenny's not established. Even if you are a Kenny believer, and I'd like to think I still am, then you've got to admit that he was nowhere near where he needs to be, even when at his best. Because of that, in my opinion, the game started to speed up on him. This might actually be a decent time for him to step away. Forcibly, obviously. And look at some of those senseless rollouts to the left. Look at some of those panic moves when he would think that the pocket's about to collapse, but the pocket wasn't collapsing and all he needed to do was either step up in it or hold it. He wouldn't do either. He'd freak. And that was the end of the sequence. Mitch isn't that. And you'll see that for whatever mistakes he makes, and he will, he will, this, 
this wonderful stretch that the Steelers have had spanning pretty much half a season of never throwing interceptions, that's about to end. That's about to end. But you know what else? That's the NFL in 2023. You're going to take some gambles. You're going to put the ball up in the air 35 to 40 times. And the other guys are going to come down with it once or twice. You don't want it to be three or four. But they're going to come down with it. It's part of the game. Put your defense out there and get it back. I'm not going to get into one of those statistical comparisons and, you know, Kenny this and Mitch that. Uh, We've been there and done that. But I do believe that there are certain things that Mitch can bring to this offense right now that Kenny couldn't. One of them, and I don't want to state this too strongly, but there's a reason that Mitch was anointed a team captain and retained that captaincy throughout the 2022 season, even when it was crystal clear he'd be a backup for the remainder of that year once he lost the job. He is that respected in that room. He will stand up to anyone. He won't put up with any crap. He's going to have a natural, I believe, superior awareness of what's happening at the line of scrimmage. Reading the safeties. Finding the open guy. For no other reason than that he's been in the league longer. This is his seventh year. He had five with the Bears. One is the backup in Buffalo. And then he came to Pittsburgh. This is this is someone who's not going to be blown away by any situation, by any pass rush. Uh, you're not going to see happy feet out of him. He's not that guy. You're going to see a basic run-of-the-mill NFL quarterback, and that's going to sound like a shot at him, and it's not. It's not. But I want you to think about something. You know all those Sundays or even Mondays or Thursdays when you'd put on a game the two other teams were playing, and you saw they had some whoever, Joe Blow quarterback, and he was making passes that you didn't see Kenny making, and he was making reads that you didn't see Kenny making and you wonder to yourself, wow, why can't Kenny just do that? Well, because he's not there yet. He might not get there, but he's definitely not there yet. And you think to yourself, like, why can't we just get some right off the rack quarterback who could just be okay for us and then capitalize on this running game and capitalize on this defense and all the takeaways that they usually generate? I'm... I'm probably guilty on this episode of being a little Pollyanna-ish. I get that. But I know how I would feel about Kenny going into this game if he was completely healthy after what I saw of him panicking again in that first half against the Cardinals. And that's a regression from Cincinnati. That was going to take some time to dig out of him. Maybe it's something that he can do on the side or while watching. And in the interim, if the team benefits in the long term or, heaven help us, benefits in the short term by winning some games or even, you know, collecting some mojo or whatever. The National Football League's history is full of stories where the backup just found it after a certain amount of time and carried his team somewhere. 
I'm not predicting anything here, but I'm also not ruling it out. It is a conceivable part of the script to come. And hey, look, the season's already been super weird. What's a little more weirdness when we come back J1Q? This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. For J1Q, Kyle... Writes, DK, Kenny at least gives hope for an upside. Mitch, not so much. That That's not a question, but there's a reason that I read it. Because as I look through the rest of my list of, of correspondence that I got, David also sent this. I don't think I'm going to miss Kenny Pickett as much as I'm going to miss the idea of Kenny Pickett. My wife Dolly and I talk a lot about the business of sports, the business of selling sports, whether that's through a media company or the retail little shop that we have downtown or whatever. And the one thing that we agree upon, we don't always agree on everything, believe me, is that hope sells. Hope is the number one seller in sports. It's the reason that fans get super defensive about young players, whereas they'll toss veterans out like that because the young players represent hope. They've yet to define themselves in your eyes. They've yet to have a ceiling put over their heads. For all you know, every running back can be the next Gale Sayers. Every linebacker can be the next Lawrence Taylor. You have no idea. And the fact that there are undrafted free agents like a James Harrison who come along and become Defensive Player of the Year, only raises that notion into our consciousness. Everyone loves hope in any walk of life. Sports isn't any different. So yeah, we feel like we know who Mitch is. Okay, we've seen enough of him. We know enough about his background. Five years in Chicago, wasn't good enough to start after that. He's toast. He's done. He's just completely finished. And then he goes out there, throws that hideous interception that I described in the opening segment, and everything's rekindled. You remember that there's a ceiling, and you're not excited about him anymore. Whereas Kenny, he could have six or seven of the worst games you've ever seen an offense, a collective offense, have. But he had that one day in Cincinnati where he bounced back, where they all bounced back, and the coordinator was out, and the hope went through the roof. And I am here to tell you, again, from the business perspective, that things really took off for us, too. It doesn't influence the commentary. You're going to have to trust me on that. Church and state, you know? Church and state. But I see it. I'm aware of it. So, yeah, when Kenny does it, it's different even though it could be the exact same result. Have you seen any of the various statistical comparisons that are out there? Not so much between Mitch and Kenny, but Mason Rudolph and Kenny. Lots of those out there. Rudolph's got better stats. 
Rudolph's got better stats through roughly the same amount of action and, you might remember, under a much, much worse circumstance. You know, Rudolph was getting his his head ripped off, uh, banged by a helmet, uh, other injuries, was thrown in as Ben Roethlisberger's replacement in week two in Santa Clara against the 49ers of all teams, almost beat them. But then everybody just decided that Mason was done. We've seen enough. He's not new anymore. He's certainly not young. He's a third rounder, so he wasn't a first rounder, so our hopes were never too high. So we're not worried about our hopes being dashed. I'm not talking to you as if I'm outside all of that. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I see a young player do something, even if it's in Latrobe, even if it's just in a drill. And I think, wow, this could be a, a generational talent. And I'm talking about off one catch. Have you seen my reaction? was no different than anybody else's at St. Vincent College when George Pickens first started coming down with all those ridiculous circus catches out there. It's it's just human. You know, if you see someone who's, you know, eight years old and winning chess competitions, you're going to get more excited than if you see somebody who's 58 years old and winning chess competitions. You think that everybody's going to be the next Bobby Fischer. But if it sounds like I'm heading toward a real answer to your question, I am. And that is that Mitch isn't that old. Mitch is in his 20s. And there was at least some amount of excitement when he was acquired from the Bills. There was some acceptance of what had been reported out of Buffalo, that the coaching staff there had done some things to kind of clean up his game, simplify, streamline, uh, keep him from taking some of the wild risks that he does. And then he played for a while and everyone just started thinking about Kenny. And I think the head coach did too. I really do. I think the head coach wanted to get to that point where, okay, I've got my replacement for Ben Roethlisberger. I've got him. He's here. I'm sticking with him. This is what we're doing. We're moving forward. And, you know, maybe it was wrong. I don't know. I don't have it. I'm not holding back an opinion on this. I don't have one. I, I want to see it play out. I want to see it play out. But I want to see it play out. With Mitch getting a chance too. Why not? Why not? I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.